0: My name is Melanie Morton and I'm an assistant professor of economics at Stanford University and I work on internal migration in developing countries. And so what we are looking to understand is first how and why do some people move and some people not and then second what are potential gains or policies that we could think about trying to implement in order to understand the returns for people moving Uh, between, for example, rural areas and urban areas. So the reason why it's an important question is that there's a lot of difference in wages that people earn even inside the same country. So, for example, in Kenya, if you're living in a region that's relatively wealthy, at the say the 90th percentile of the distribution, you earn three times more than if you're living in a region that's at the 10th percentile or relatively poor. And so what causes this big difference in incomes in the same country? And then second, given that people can move around quite freely, why aren't people moving from that lower income region to the higher income region? And does the fact that they don't move mean that they don't think that these gains are something that could accrue to them? Or is the fact that they don't move due to something like, for example, costs of moving or lack of information about different opportunities? And I think what's really interesting is that now we are looking more deeply at data and we see a lot of quite complex patterns. So, for example, in a country like Malawi, there's a lot of migration, but about two-thirds as many migrants are working in agriculture as non-migrants. So it's not the case that everybody is migrating and only going to urban areas or working in, for example, manufacturing or services. What we see is we see a lot of rural, rural migration, or we see a lot of people who are moving from where they were born but they're still working in agriculture areas. So what I think this means is that we need to think a little more carefully or a little more richly about what kind of movement people are doing. It's not just that there are two locations and you can move between rural and urban. It's the case that we see a lot of rural to rural migration and we see also lots of urban to urban migration. So what we are looking at now is sort of richer models where we can think more carefully about all the different regions and what is the differences or the heterogeneity in incomes even among places that are predominantly agriculture, agricultural and what are the differences or the heterogeneity in incomes that people earn even among different urban areas and then what helps or causes people in order to make those moves whether they're moving from one rural to one rural place or one urban to one urban place. The sort of very preliminary experimental work that has been done L- tried to look at exactly this question by thinking about what happens if you incentivize poor agricultural workers to move seasonally to urban areas? And do these people have a return or not? And there's one study in Bangladesh which found that in fact, the people who were induced to go to urban areas did have quite large increases of income of about 30%. So I think the question is then, how much of this gap is due to something like selection? And then how much of the gap is due to perhaps Uh, costs of movement or other sort of wedges that mean that people might not be able to move to where they are most productive. And then obviously that second one, if there are costs uh, of movement, then that's something that could be potentially policy relevant. So one direct example could be, for example, if people have credit constraints and you could think about providing loans in order to help people move perhaps seasonally for people who are working in villages where there's parts of the year in which there isn't a lot of income or a lot of work opportunities. Uh, The other sort of uh, policy could be thinking about the role of infrastructure. So things like roads connect areas and they help people to trade, but they also help people to migrate backwards and forwards. And so you see where people are more connected by roads, they're moving more, uh, and so infrastructure improvements might have also another effect of being able to help people to move to where there are higher wages or there's a better wage or a better type of work for the sort of skills that they have. So I think exactly this question of understanding, given we see these large wage gaps, a factor of three, a factor of four, you know, I think that's a really first order question to understand what if any of these gaps are exploitable. And so I think the cleanest way to do that is to think about doing more studies that help to establish experimentally what would happen if you took people who are working in one location and got them jobs or let them work in other locations. And then thinking a little bit about you know, if, uh, You can understand how much of the gaps are potentially exploitable. Then the second thing is, what sort of policies have happened or what sort of mechanisms have we seen that help people move? Moving or deciding where to live, it's a very complicated decision. And so understanding, for example, the role of linguistic differences or the role of cultural differences or the role of, communication and so you can keep in touch with your friends and family when you're away from them. I think all of these are really important ideas and lots of potential policy levers, but we really need to understand uh, sort of should resources be going into helping people be better matched or should we think about resources going into helping to improve areas that perhaps have low wages. And there the big kind of trade off is that if you spend resources, for example, on providing employment guarantees in rural areas, it's going to improve outcomes in rural areas, but it's going to mean that people might stop doing things like migration that they were already doing that were perhaps generating benefits. So for example, we have a project uh, not looking uh, at Africa, but in this case looking in Indonesia and trying to understand sort of over the period between 1976 and 2012, we see a lot of migration and we see uh, a lot of uh, we can estimate what exactly are these costs of people moving and then how much of the wage gaps are due to people being of higher uh, of, how much of the wage gaps are due to selection. And so what we find there is that we can get quite large aggregate effects uh, by increasing the ability of people to move. So, for example, perhaps 20 percent of GDP growth over this period was coming from the fact that the costs of moving got smaller and so people were more easily able to go to locations that had the better match for their skills. So this isn't just the story that everyone wants to go to the large city, it's the case that if you have certain skills that mean that you would be good in a different agricultural area or a different rural area, you can move there and if you have skills that make you good in a city, you can move there. One argument is that the rural urban wage gap is only due to selection. So what that would mean is that people, for example, who are highly educated are the ones who move to cities So the reason that we see an average income gap is that not because cities are more productive, but it's because the people who choose to go to cities are more educated or have higher skills. So what that means is that we need to understand how much of the gap is due to something like selection, versus how much of the gap is what would happen if you took the person who chooses not to migrate at the moment and instead had them working in the city, how much extra would their income go up? And so understanding how much of the rural-urban wage gap is efficient because it's due to sorting and how much of it is something that perhaps is due to wedges or costs of moving that could be the uh, focus of government policies I think is a really important question to disentangle, which is a very active uh, research area at the moment with very, ac- very recent work and many other ongoing research projects.